The following is a Westminster Seminary, California morning devotion given by Dr. Dennis Johnson. For more information about this message or about Westminster Seminary, California, visit us online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. So here from verse 7, the contrast between the angels and the sun. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the sun, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe you will roll them up, like a garment they will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will have no end. This is God's word. Let's pray together. Our God and our Father in a world full of threat and full of change. What a great comfort and strength to our hearts and hope it is to know that you are the same, that your beloved son, the eternal son who became our human brother is the same. Your years will have no end, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Father, we come to you um, mindful of how change threatens us in many ways. Uh, We continue to pray for our brother and sister, Isaac and Jessica Farrell, after the auto accident. We thank you for sparing their lives, sparing Jessica from serious injury. We ask that you will give Isaac good recovery, provide for their transportation now that the car has been completely destroyed, care for them and teach them in this time when they're so aware, we're all aware of how fragile we are, uh, turn our hearts toward you. And Father, we think also of the horrific carnage in Paris inflicted by people who, uh, arrogantly thinking they serve a God, uh, use it as a means of hatred and bloodshed. Comfort those who have lost loved ones. Restore those who've been wounded. Turn many hearts in France and around the world to Christ, the true and living God, the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, as we are reminded of the fragile nature, the brevity of human life. And now, Father, open our hearts to receive your word, even in these few moments of meditation, that we might be heartened and encouraged and offer you acceptable worship in reverence and awe. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Things fall apart. You may have noticed that. Right? Things fall apart. William Butler Yeats wrote that simple phrase in a well-known poem, The Second Coming, in 1919 as he looked at Europe, devastated by World War I, as he looked at his own native Ireland, full of the conflict and the war between the English and the Irish. Things fall apart. Things fall apart. Chino Achebe, Nigerian novelist, picked up that phrase from Yeats to describe the effect of British colonialism and, frankly, Christian missions 
on the fabric of society in his home country of Nigeria. Things fall apart. Things fall apart could sum up the observation of the ancient sage who wrote in Proverbs 24 as he passed by and pondered the field of a sluggard that while the farmer snoozed, chaos took over. It was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles and its stone wall was broken down. Things fall apart. Describes the experience of the poet, the psalmist, the inspired writer of Psalm 102, which is now the sixth of the texts quoted in Hebrews 1. Uh, earlier in the psalm, he had written, my days pass away like smoke, my bones burn like a furnace, my heart is struck down like grass and has withered, my days are like an evening shadow, I wither away like grass. Things fall apart. The Pharaoh's auto accident reminds us of how fragile things are. We are. And a lot of lesser things can do that. Um, may it not happen to you that two weeks from now, as you're desperately printing a paper, your computer freezes up or the printer goes on the blink. May not, but things do fall apart. Computers crash, washing machines, hot water heaters, Spring leaks, your favorite shirt shows the signs of fraying around the collar. Things fall apart. Is there anywhere, anything that doesn't fall apart? And the psalmist says, yes, there is one who doesn't fall apart, who doesn't wear out like a garment, who is forever the same. And he is the son. Last time we looked at Psalm 45, and we're struck by the fact that Psalm 45, obviously addressed to a human king at his wedding, addresses him as God. Now we're at Psalm 102 and linked right into Psalm 45. Actually, Psalm 102 verse 12 says, You, O Lord, are enthroned forever, which is probably one of the, one of the ways the Holy Spirit helped the author to link 45 with 102, that theme of the eternal throne of God. And, now he surprises us by applying to Jesus this psalm that is clearly at this point addressed to the eternal God. So he adds to the son's eternal preeminence as king, ruler, Psalm 45. He adds now his eternal permanence as creator and sustainer of the universe in contrast to the transience, the mutability, the changeability of all God's creatures presumably including the angels. The sun lasts forever. This sun who remains unchanged forever, even when heaven and earth wear out, is the sun that the preacher is going to tell us in these next chapters is the one who took to himself our human nature, our flesh and blood, who underwent suffering and death, who learned obedience through the things that he suffered, who became, as Psalm 8 would say, a little, for a little while lower than the angels, but now has been exalted as the messianic son, far above the angels. We have a God who cannot be wounded by change. But we have a God who has shown his mercy to us by sending the son, the God-man, who cannot be wounded by change to become a man and to be touched and wounded 
by change. That's the mystery of the person of Jesus. It's so important. Hebrews wants us to know how important it is to know that the one who walked among us as our human brother, who shared our flesh and blood, who set us free from the fear of death by his own death and has been raised and exalted to the right hand, that he is eternal, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever because it's so crucial to how he ministers to us. He's our eternal priest. Two weeks from now, we'll come to the last of the seven quotes in Hebrews chapter 1 from Psalm 110, uh, where the son is told to sit at the right hand of God until he makes his enemies his feet. That's also the psalm in which later on we'll read that he is a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. A priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. By the power of his indestructible life, Hebrews says in chapter 7, verse 16. In the Old Testament, Aaron and his descendants offered sacrifices for sinful Israelites on a regular basis, day by day, Sabbath by Sabbath, especially Yom Kippur by Yom Kippur, year by year on the Day of Atonement. But they had their limits. They themselves were sinful and needed purification for their own sins first. But more than that, they were finite. They were limited. They got tired and had to sleep. They got hungry and thirsty and had to eat and drink. And finally they wore out and they died. That's why there had to be a way to figure out who the next high priest was going to be. And that's the principle of genealogy that the preacher talks about in chapter 7. Aaron's priests had to be, Aaron's sons, his successors, had to be determined in terms of their family tree. That, because death kept them from serving. That's why there had to be many of them. He says in chapter 7, 23, and then 24, the former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he, Jesus, the priest forever, in the order of Melchizedek, he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Never needs to take a vacation. Never needs to take a nap. Never needs a successor because of a death. He's already died the death that he needed to die in order to atone for our sins, and now he lives forever. Never needs to learn from a predecessor, kind of to get the lay of the land of how to pray for us. He's the priest forever. And so, actually, Hebrews says in the very next verse in 7, 725, consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. The priest who prays for you at God's right hand prays for you forever because he lives forever. He's your eternal priest. That means that every moment in which you need timely help, when you wonder whether you're going to finish the paper by 10 a.m. a week from two weeks from Friday or not, when you need timely help, when you pray, you can approach the Father's throne. It is a throne of grace to you. It actually means even when you forget to pray, you still have a high priest who's praying for you. Who's praying for you. Well, remember Jesus saying to Peter, actually, Peter, you're going to deny me three times, but I've prayed for you that your faith fail night. When you forget to pray, you're trusting in Christ. When you forget to pray, Jesus is still praying for you that your faith may fail not. He's an eternal priest for you. 
And he's an eternal king. We're going to hear that in a couple of weeks. He's sitting at God's right hand on a throne and his enemies are being subjugated piece by piece to be brought into submission to him. Politicians and political parties come and go. Human emperors and empires come and go. Nations come and go, conquered by enemies from outside or corrupted by rot from within. But your king reigns forever. Your king, the son, which Psalm 102 acclaims is the Lord who remains the same, whose years have no end. He's sitting at your right hand until, as God says, I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Apostle Paul comments on this same verse that we're going to come to next time. I'm stealing my own thunder from two weeks from now. But Paul says, Christ, the risen Lord, must reign 1 Corinthians 15 must reign until he's put all his enemies under his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet, quoting Psalm 8. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will be subjected to him, that is the Father, who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all and all. The Son rules. The Son reigns. News Videos from Paris and elsewhere may, may make us feel at times as though the world is spinning out of control. William Butler Yeats thought that in his poem, after things fall apart in his poem, he went on to say, mere anarchy is loosed upon the world, the blood-dimmed tide is loosed, and everywhere the ceremony of innocence is drowned, the best lack all conviction while the worst are full of passionate intensity. Sound like last Friday? He wrote it 96 years ago. Nothing new. Nothing new. Looks like it's all out of control, but don't you believe it? Don't believe it. Judah's lion has conquered, and he conquered by becoming the lamb slain to redeem people from all the nations, and the scroll is in his hand, and he's in control. He is your eternal king. Whatever it looks like on the surface of history, he is the king on the throne who remains the same. And for his church, he's the eternal shepherd. The eternal shepherd. The end of Hebrews, two verses that have fascinated me for years, 7 and 17. Verse 7 says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you, and whose outcome of their way of life you've seen, so imitate their faith. And then 17, be persuaded by or submit to your leaders. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do it with joy, not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Remember your leaders who spoke. Obey your leaders who will give an account. Sounds like two generations, doesn't it? Sounds like a first generation of leaders who have now passed from the scene. How, we don't know, but they're to be remembered. Their whole conduct in life is something that has been observed by the church and it set a good example of faith. But they're not there anymore. And a new set of leaders, seems as if the preacher wants to give a little boost to their authority, 
to urge the congregation to heed them. Yeah, they're not like Pastor so-and-so who shepherded us so well for so many years, but they are the ones who are now accountable for you. Pastoral transition. Some of you have lived through that. I've lived through that in my congregation several times. Some of you are living through that now. It's a kind of a scary time, pastoral leadership transition. Um, but notice what pre the preacher says to us right after remember your leaders in verse 7. He says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Your leaders, those old leaders, the ones who were so instrumental in your coming to faith, they're gone. They're not here anymore. But you are not shepherdless. Jesus Christ is the same. And here he's picking up an echo of Psalm 102 from his first chapter. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You have a shepherd who is on the job. He's faithful. He's living. He's powerful. No congregation of Christ's church has ever been without a shepherd, even for a moment. Human shepherds come and go, yes. But even when human leaders depart or stumble, Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, as the preacher calls him in chapter 13, Christ is always on the job, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And because he lives forever, as our priest and as our king and as our shepherd, he gives us a forever inheritance. A forever inheritance. The divine immutability, unchangeability of the Son assures us who trust him that he has secured for us an inheritance, a permanent home and homeland that cannot be threatened by Roman armies as would happen in the years, I believe, right after Hebrews was written and sent to a group of Jewish Christians, cannot be threatened by ISIS terrorists or wildfires or floods or any of the changes and disasters that this world surrounds us with. In Hebrews 12, Hebrews 12, the preacher, in a sense, kind of reminds us of this statement in the psalm that the heavens and the earth, the things that God has made, are going to wear out and be rolled up and thrown away. Uh, he does it in an interesting way. He, he starts with at Sinai, when Moses received the law of God, and as God came down on the mountain to deliver his word to his people, the mountain shook, the earth shook. And then he says, that was true then, but what's coming, and Haggai the prophet tells us that, he quotes from Haggai 2, is God's voice is going to shake heaven and earth. So he picks up Haggai 2 to comment on Psalm 102, and he says, someday this creation, stained by human sin, is going to give way to something that is unshakable. And that unshakable thing is Christ's kingdom. And that unshakable thing is what he gives to us because he's given us the privilege of sharing in his privileges as the father's firstborn. You have received an unshakable kingdom. You are receiving an unshakable kingdom. It's going to last when this old world and even the skies over our head are worn out, rolled up, discarded to give way for a new heavens and a new earth. And it's yours. 
And so he draws the conclusion, which seems to me to be the very appropriate conclusion for us in verse 28 of chapter 12, a response to this, when we have such a solid, lasting, eternal Savior. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Reverence and awe. But confident in all the changes of life that face us day by day and year by year, confident that we have a faithful, ever-living, never-leaving Savior, Redeemer, Priest, King, Shepherd, who has given us an eternal, unshakable kingdom and who holds us fast in his hands. Let's pray. Father, Father, thank you that you sent your eternal son, that he took to himself our mutable human nature, even though he is immutable, unchangeable, supremely divine. He also is our human brother. We don't understand how that can be. Uh, minds that have tried to probe that mystery typically have gone off the tracks somehow or other from what your word reveals in all its fullness. Uh, but we bow before that mystery and we acknowledge that this is exactly the Savior we need. One who with you and the Spirit is always the same, yesterday, today, and forever. And one who has plunged into our human history to bestow upon us an eternal kingdom that cannot be shaken, to atone for our sins, to pray for us always, even when we forget to pray, to protect us as our royal king from the assaults of the evil one, and to bring us home. Father, thank you. Thank you for this Lord, creator, savior, redeemer. We pray in his name. Amen. Copyright 2015, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.